0: This Family Life news podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the noon report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams. Plus, special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening.
1: Good afternoon. Thanks for checking in. Winds of change rocking the region today, sending our temperatures plummeting like a rock they dropped in a span of just a few hours. Dangerous hail, damaging winds accompanied today's cold front. WGRZ meteorologist Patrick Hammer says some thunder boomers are in the offering as well.
2: There's not going to be a lot of snow with the temperature drop, but there's there could be some areas of a flash freeze and uh, a, a temperature drop of over 30 degrees in just a few hours. Forecasters
1: anticipate downed trees and power lines, especially along the Great Lakes, where those winds could whip to 60 miles per hour at times. Travel could become difficult, too, especially for high-profile vehicles during the afternoon commute. Wind-whipped wildfires across the Texas panhandle shut down a nuclear weapons plant yesterday near Amarillo, Non-essential workers were told to get out of there. Another fire quadrupled in size in just a few hours. Pull out! We got too many
3: spots. Pull out! Pull out. out! Everybody, pull
1: out! A half dozen fires have consumed nearly 400,000 acres across Texas and Oklahoma. Under oath and behind closed doors, the president's son Hunter is testifying before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. That deposition will determine whether House Republicans move forward with impeaching the President. At issue is President Biden's role in Hunter's overseas business deals.
4: What is clear here is that this was influence peddling raw and massive. And it's also clear that his father knew this was happening. It was in the newspaper. George
1: Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley, the President has repeatedly said he had no knowledge of his son's overseas business deals. Donald Trump remains undefeated in Nominating contest for the 2024 presidential election. He trounced Nikki Haley in last night's Michigan primary. Political
3: analyst Larry Sabato. I don't think there's a soul who thinks she's going to get the Republican nomination. They have to be voting for her to send a message. It's really a strong never Trump vote.
1: Both Trump and Haley are eyeballing Delegate Rich Super Tuesday next week when 15 states host primary contests. President Biden won last night in Michigan but not without controversy reporter Matt Piper.
3: Uncommitted votes in Michigan's Democratic primary are the first indication of how backlash over President Biden's handling of the Israel Hamas war in Gaza might impact his re-election campaign and there were tens of thousands of them in the state. Political analyst Larry Sabato. The uncommitted total is certainly higher than expected. This is bad news for Biden and the Democrats more than anything else. People who won't vote. Experts say uncommitted vote totals would need to be between 20 and 30 percentage points for Democrats to worry about their impact in
1: November. 13% of Michigan Democrats voted uncommitted in last night's primary. The clock is ticking on a partial government shutdown. Absent a deal by midnight Friday, one-third of the government will run out of money. Reporter Ryan Nobles on Capitol Hill.
2: Here we go again. Congress staring down the possibility of another government shutdown. This one, though, is a bit different. Things like national parks and zoos are not under immediate threat. There are actually two different deadlines impacting different parts of the government. And that first deadline is this Friday.
1: House Speaker Mike Johnson expected to pitch a plan that kicks the proverbial fiscal can down the road a bit so as to give lawmakers more time to strike a deal on a spending plan. Overseas, Pope Francis rushed to the hospital today in Rome, Italy.
3: The Pope is 87. He has had to slow down a little bit in recent weeks because of continuing respiratory uh, challenges. And in fact, over the weekend, uh, the Vatican said that he was suffering from uh, flu-like symptoms. Correspondent
1: Keir Simmons, for just the second time since taking office, President Biden will visit the border tomorrow. He'll be in Brownsville, Texas. Monica Stewart with the Texas Border Coalition hopes he can truly appreciate what's going on there. One
5: thing is to talk about it. Another thing is to actually see it and understand it, and understand the urgency of action.
1: Florida Senator Marco Rubio says there are too many criminals entering this country, and that's why action is so urgent.
4: These people aren't committing crimes because they're migrants. They're committing crimes because they're criminals. That's the fundamental problem when you allow people to come in like this. A
1: new Fox News poll shows 53% of Americans think the border crisis is the most pressing issue facing the country. Former President Trump will also be at the border tomorrow. He'll be in Eagle Pass, Texas just a few hundred miles from where the president will be. 380,000 Toyota Tacoma pickup trucks are being recalled. Welding debris on the rear axle assembly can cause retaining nuts to loosen and fall off, and that's not a good thing. That can impact vehicle stability and create braking issues. Macy's is closing 50 department stores by the end of the year, and another 100 over the next couple of years. Business analysts, Jill Schlesinger.
5: Macy's CEO Tony Springs said that the company needed to shrink its footprint not just in the number of stores, but also the size of the stores. The company intends to open smaller versions of the
1: chain. This is the second downsizing for Macy's since the pandemic. The U.S. Army says it's restructuring so it can better fight the next war. It's cutting the size of its force by 24,000 soldiers or 5%. Those reductions will mostly affect slots that are already vacant within the u.s army still to come on the noon report a midweek edition hoko blasts bama ruling pennsylvania's new pandemic
4: and boosting financial literacy at school oh good afternoon i'm kevin williams buckle your seatbelt we're tracking a drastic change in our weather coming over the next 12 hours. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10 minutes. All right,
1: Kevin, I know a lot of us are going to want to stick around for that. In the meantime, let's check the stories making news all across New York and Pennsylvania. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is blasting a decision by the Alabama Supreme Court, which ruled that frozen embryos are essentially children. Hochul fears this will impact access to in vitro fertilization.
2: Everybody who cherishes the opportunity to have a Child should not be thwarted by the actions of a judge in Alabama. Have we really come to that? That we can't even start families anymore because the government intervention is so severe. They're saying, no, you cannot do this. Three
1: clinics in Alabama suspended IVF treatment after the landmark ruling, fearing they could be slapped with wrongful death suits. New York's junior US Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is sponsoring a bill in Congress that would guarantee a right to IVF treatment. For
5: many prospective parents, IVF is a last ditch effort to have a family and preventing them from accessing the treatments they need is not only cruel but it's absurd
1: three alabama couples filed suit after a clinic worker accidentally dropped their frozen embryos on the ground they did not survive pro-lifers argue that all the building blocks of life are contained in that microscopic embryo governor josh shapiro calls gun violence a pandemic in pennsylvania he's proposed the creation of a new state office to combat crimes committed with firearms lieutenant governor austin davis let's be clear Thoughts and prayers are not enough. We need real action in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The new Office of Gun Violence Prevention would cost about $100 million to operate. Senate President Kim Ward calls that... Too much.
5: None of us like gun violence and would all like to stop gun violence. But it appears that a hundred million dollars to coordinate what's already happening in our government, in our state government, is very excessive. Ward thinks
1: instead of focusing on the guns, Pennsylvania needs to focus on who's firing the gun.
5: I've never seen ever in my life a gun shoot itself. The root problem is mental health and societal. It's not the gun.
1: Gun violence is the leading cause of death in children and teenagers in this country firearm fatalities have increased by more than 87 percent the past decade. Newly elected New York Congressman Tom is being sworn in today to fill the seat left vacant by former Representative George Santos. Here's Lisa G. The
2: Democrat won a special election in the 3rd Congressional District to replace expelled GOP lawmaker George Santos by defeating Republican Mozzie Pillip. Swazi now returns to the CD held for three terms before stepping down to launch an unsuccessful bid for New York governor. Lisa G, New York. There are
1: calls for New York to join the growing list of states that have made financial literacy a requirement for high school graduation. The Empire State is one of just 15 states that doesn't have such a requirement. Budgeting, debt and credit are covered in a mandatory economics course, but critics say that doesn't dig deep enough into practical real world money issues. The State Board of Regents could decide on the financial literacy course sometime this spring. The fight to include millions of dollars in the New York State budget for non-traditional workers continues. Family Life's Jeremy Miller explains.
3: Lawmakers proposed a $500 million fund in the next budget for unemployment benefits for workers typically excluded from labor protections, like undocumented workers, freelancers, and ex-convicts. It would be paid for with a new tax on big tech companies for digital advertising services. Opponents argue it's inappropriate to use tax dollars to benefit undocumented immigrants. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News.
1: A woman and her child unharmed after crashing their car into a hotel swimming pool in Niagara Falls. How in the world did that happen? Details from Family Life's Dee Haley.
5: City of Niagara Falls police responded to a one vehicle crash at the courtyard by Marriott on Buffalo Avenue in downtown Niagara Falls. It happened late yesterday morning. According to police, a 61-year-old woman accidentally accelerated while operating a Lexus SUV and drove through a wall and into the hotel swimming pool. Hotel staff helped the driver and a 3-year-old passenger out of the vehicle. They were uninjured. The building, however, has significant damage. D. Haley,
4: Family Life News.
1: Pennsylvania researchers are looking for volunteers to take part in a new large-scale study on Alzheimer's disease. Family Life's Brian Quarry has
2: more. The University of Pittsburgh's Alzheimer's Disease Research Center is one of more than 70 academic universities across the United States and Canada collaborating on the AHEAD study. This study, which will involve 1,400 volunteers at Pitt, is looking for
1: individuals
2: in the early stages of developing Alzheimer's. The four-year study will test new medication in the fight against Alzheimer's, testing ones that have shown promise to potentially slow
1: the progress of the disease. Brian Quarry, Family Life News. Call them Johnny Cakes, Griddle Cakes, Hot Cakes, or Flapjacks, whatever your preference, it's National Pancake Day.
5: Hey, More
1: pancakes! Let's speed it up! Pancake, pancake,
5: pancake, pancake, pancake,
1: pancake, pancake, pancake! Boy, if there was a pancake-eating contest, I'd be in it. Pancakes may be the oldest breakfast food there is. Spanning as far back as the Stone Age, the word pancake first appeared in the 15th century. The top five flavors are, in descending order, banana, plain, chocolate chip, my favorite, blueberry, and then buttermilk. The top topping, of course, Maple syrup. Maple syrup season is underway right now across New York and Pennsylvania. Sports news next it's the two minute drill as the noon report rolls on on Family Life. (laughs)
3: Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob the Pelicans love New York. New Orleans came into the Big Apple and blew out the Knicks 115-92. The loss for New York drops them to 35-24 on the season. They remain in second place in the Atlantic Division behind the Boston Celtics, who blew out the Philadelphia 76ers, who are in third place in the division. 117-99 the final in that one. Jalen Brown scored 31. Jason Tatum had a double double with 29 points and 11 boards for the Seas. The Nets were in Florida taking on the Magic, and they probably wish they hadn't made the trip. They got blown out 108 to 92. Another blowout saw Atlanta crush Utah 124 to 97, and the Bucks destroyed the Hornets 123 to 85. There were some exciting games played, however, none more so than the Cavs-Mavs contest. Max Struess nailed a 59-foot shot from beyond half court at the buzzer that turned certain defeat into a surprise victory for Cleveland, 121-119. The Warriors beat the Wizards 123-112. T-Wolves down the Spurs 114-105. The Bulls fell to the Pistons 105-95. The Thunder won over Houston 112-95. And Miami a 106-96 winner against Portland. On the ice, the sabers three-game winning streak is over. They fell the Florida three to two. Dylan Cousins and Tage Thompson scoring Buffalo's goals. The Flyers dominated the Lightning six to two. Brink, Forster, Sanheim, Walker, Cates, and York all found the back of the net for Philadelphia. Penguins' overtime winners in Vancouver, four to three. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy, men. Still to come on the noon report for a
1: Wednesday. Texas wildfires. Michigan primaries. And wacky weather with Kevin Williams. Right after this,
2: welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at our ever changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. decision by the Supreme Court of Alabama that the state's wrongful death of a minor act applies to, quote, all unborn children, regardless of their location, including extrauterine embryos stored in cryogenic nurseries, has resulted in at least three fertility clinics suspending in vitro fertilization services. In an interview on The Daily Podcast, New York Times reporter Azeen Grazi claimed that the decision, quote, puts all fertility care in Alabama in limbo. It sets a huge and quite scary precedent, she said, for anyone who's undergoing IVF, anyone who works in the fertility industry in Alabama who is working with these embryos who are suddenly considered children. Well, that panic, which has been typical of the media coverage about the decision, makes sense given the court finally addressed the central question of IVF, a question that the IVF industry has largely depended upon not being answered in order to grow and to expand. In reality, the court's decision has only put a certain kind of fertility care in limbo. Fertility care that involves the creating, the storing, the preserving, and the destroying of human embryos. Given that approximately 1.5 million embryos left over from IVF services are currently being stored in freezers in the United States, the vast majority of which are destined for either destruction or donation for medical testing, asking the question, what are they? Well, that was long overdue. Even if late in coming, pro-lifers have been right to celebrate this small bit of ethical clarity for an industry with little of it. During IVF, eggs are fertilized with sperm in a lab. Often, multiple embryos are created and tested for viability before being transferred into the uterus of the mother or a surrogate. This is done in rounds of one to five embryos at a time. If a pregnancy occurs, the remaining embryos... Are frozen pro-lifers are right to celebrate the court's recognition of the humanity of these embryos and its imposition on an industry that until now has been an ethical wild west however at the same time the decision fails to answer another question if an embryo must be considered a child if destroyed by accident What about when it's created, when it's stored in a freezer, or when it's destroyed intentionally? The three couples involved in the Alabama case wish to hold the clinic responsible for the loss of their embryonic children. But, as the court's opinion plainly stated, quote, the Fondes elected in their contract with the center to automatically destroy any embryos that had remained frozen longer than five years. The LePages chose to donate similar embryos to medical researchers whose projects would result in the destruction of the embryos. And the third couple agreed to allow any abnormal embryos created through IVF to be experimented on for research purposes, And then discarded. This ruling creates, or at least reveals, a legal contradiction similar to that which exists in states with both abortion rights and double homicide laws. If a pregnant woman and her preborn baby are killed, the perpetrator can be charged with two counts of homicide. And yet, if that same woman escaped the assault and drove to an abortion clinic the same day, there would be no charge of homicide, legally speaking. So, while we rightly celebrate this decision as an incremental step toward the protection of preborn lives created in the IVF process, Process. The embryos in this case were already being treated in precisely the way the plaintiffs accused others. Eventually, that legal inconsistency has to be rectified. The best outcome is if this decision is a first step in reining in the IVF process, so that one day so-called extrauterine children will no longer be treated as commodities. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone. Street. All right, thank you, John. Let's
1: take things outside next to very busy Kevin Williams. <laughs>
4: Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon: cloudy, windy, showers, couple of thunderstorms. Temperatures plunging through the 30s this evening with rain showers, changing to some ice and snow showers that could result in a flash freeze. Winds will be gusting past 40 and 45 miles an hour this afternoon and tonight, and the temperatures will they tumble to toward 20 overnight. Blustery, much colder tomorrow with sun, clouds, and a few flurries. High temperatures mid 20s to the mid 30s. All right, Kevin,
1: thank you very much. The wild weather is our top story again today. Spring like. Warmth early this morning, replaced with a bitter winter chill this afternoon. WIVB meteorologist Mike
2: Sykes says those temperatures are going to drop like a rock this afternoon. It's amazing. We're probably going to top off around 60 degrees and then kiss it goodbye this afternoon. The readings pull up it through the 50s, 40s and 30s. In fact, by evening early, we're down to around freezing or possibly below.
1: Sykes says with the sudden drop in temperatures, flash freezing is a real possibility later today. Wind-whipped wildfires are burning across Texas and Oklahoma, nearly 400,000 acres ablaze in the Texas panhandle. Correspondent Omar Villafranca. Kelsey Benuelos evacuated her home in Canadian with her two young children, her husband and animals.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: The place she called home
3: for seven years burned to the ground.
0: It was heartbreaking. I broke down, but, I mean, we were safe. It, it's just stuff. It can be replaced, but it's still it's still a gut punch.
3: The fires
1: stretched into western Oklahoma, where more than 30,000 acres have burned so far. A nuclear weapons plant near Amarillo had to be evacuated due to the wildfires. Donald Trump, five for five in nominating contests thus far in the Republican race for president, he beat Nikki Haley by 40 points in last night's Michigan primary.
4: I'm so proud of the results because they're far greater than anticipated.
1: Haley's vowed to remain in the race until after Super Tuesday. If
5: states like Colorado and Michigan and Minnesota want to start winning again, you have to have somebody on the ticket that can win a general election.
1: 11 of the 15 states voting on Super Tuesday are open primaries, which could help Haley remain in the race. House Republicans questioning Hunter Biden today in a closed door deposition on Capitol Hill. They want to know how much the president was involved in his son's overseas business deals. James Comer chairs the House Oversight Committee. The
2: Biden family, specifically the son and the brother of the president the United States were selling
1: access to Joe Biden. The president has repeatedly said he knew nothing of his son's foreign business deals. House Speaker Mike Johnson pitching a plan to kick the proverbial money can down the road when it comes to efforts on Capitol Hill to avert a government shutdown.
2: We're very optimistic. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown.
1: Johnson's plan avoids a partial government shutdown by giving lawmakers more time to strike a deal. The
5: offer involves potentially pushing pushing back the government funding deadlines to March 8th and March 22nd. This would likely involve another short-term funding bill to give lawmakers more time to complete work on appropriations. Correspondent
1: Carissa Lawson, absent a deal, one-third of the U.S. government runs out of money on Friday. The U.S. Supreme Court hearing oral arguments today on whether the federal government can ban bump stocks. Those devices let semi-automatic weapons fire like automatic weapons. The justices are considering whether bump stocks should be classified as machine guns, which were banned by Congress in the 1980s. Legal analyst Thane Rosenbaum.
2: This sounds like a Second Amendment case. What does a machine gun look like? But it really falls into a very different category of cases. The authority of federal agencies to make and interpret laws without congressional oversight.
1: There was a bipartisan effort on Capitol Hill to outlaw bump stocks after one was used in a deadly mass shooting at a Las Vegas music festival back in 2017. Hundreds of IVF patients and providers are rallying today at the Alabama State House in Montgomery. That's where the state Supreme Court ruled this month that frozen embryos are children. That ruling persuaded three in vitro fertilization clinics to stop performing treatments on women for fear they could be sued. Hannah Miles has been trying to conceive for three years. You
0: do everything that you can because there are other choices you
1: have. Miles was weeks away from a scheduled embryo transplant when the Alabama Supreme Court handed down its ruling. We,
5: more than anyone, know that an embryo does not equal a child because if it did, I'd be pregnant.
1: Many pro-lifers argue that all the building blocks to sustain life are contained in that microscopic embryo. The murder of a college nursing student allegedly at the hands of an illegal immigrant continues to make headlines in Georgia.
3: A special prosecutor is being brought in to handle the murder of a 22-year-old nursing student who was killed while out running on the University of Georgia campus last week. A 26-year-old Hispanic man who was in the country illegally is facing charges including felony murder and the death of Laken Hope Riley. Corresponding Jim
1: Crusula the number of pedestrians killed on the highway is down from record highs back in 2022, but it's still well above 2019 levels. Russ Martin with the governor Highway Safety Association. 25 or 35 miles
5: an hour, that could be a fatal crash for a pedestrian if the car is large enough. And with more larger cars on the road, uh, we're probably seeing the, the outcome of that in our crashes.
1: Another factor to consider in pedestrian crashes is the emergence of electric vehicles. They are much quieter than gas powered vehicles and could lead to more fatal collisions on the highway. Ever wish your child came with an instructional manual? I see those hands. Next at noon, some parenting do's and don'ts with Family Life's Martha Manikis Foster.
0: Every parent wants to do a good job, but but how do you know if you're headed in the right direction? Well, we're going to talk about that today on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms his people from the inside out. I'm Martha Monique Foster, and my guest today is Laura Spalding, author of a January article in the Gospel Coalition. The title is, Taking the Long View Revolutionized My Parenting. Laura, in, in your two decades of parenting, what have you seen presented as These are the standards to measure up to. This is what your goal is as a parent.
5: So I think it all started with parenting books. I had a collection of all the right parenting books. Everything needed to be planned from playtime to feeding. And then as they got a little bit older, it became know those milestone charts and, and that feeding into then the right schooling and in often many cases, the right schooling models and then extracurriculars. So... It seemed to be like there was always just a right way presented to you at all parts. And some of it came from the Christian culture and some of it came from the neighborhood. Some of it came from TV. Now that my kids are older, it became grades and test scores Mm. and now college resumes. And of course, we're, we're part of it. But I do think that it is so easy for that to become where we're measuring how we're doing as
0: parents. Where do you think many of these goals can miss the mark?
5: I think that it's just natural and normal that we want a, a right way to do things. We want a formula. We want, like, here is what the end goal is. Here is what we're aiming for in this very achievement, performance-driven culture that I've raised my children in. I want them to achieve. I want them to perform. And I think, it's like, we're trying to prove our worth based on what we've achieved or how much we've performed.
0: Right. Now, Laura... Christian parents, most of us can recite Proverbs 22.6. Uh, that's where we're instructed to train up a child in the way he should go. All of that is so that when he's old, he'll not depart from it. You've suggested taking a long view of parenting, and you talk about giving a child a taste of the goodness of God. Can, can you say more about this?
5: Sure. For me, Proverbs 22.6, when I would recite that when my children were young, I always took it as a I guess, instruction and not so much as a like gracious invitation. It is an instruction that if you get this right, if you train up the right way, the Mm -hmm. way they should go is obviously the right way. Then they will be and do what you're expecting them to be and do.
0: Almost like a bargain. You do this, this happens. Absolutely.
5: Picking that verse apart and recognizing what it really is saying, it is saying starts in this way and it finishes this way. Like all the middle is so unique to each person.
0: So Laura, what words of encouragement might you have for the parents who feel pulled and stressed and and, and even overwhelmed about this responsibility of parenting and then all of these goals that are set out there that they're supposed to achieve?
5: I do want to be careful to say that I am not in any way suggesting that parenting is a sit back and just let things happen. (laughs) This giving them a taste for the goodness of God and setting them on the right path is a very active type of parenting. And if I could go back to the very beginning, I think what I would say is pay more attention to the child that you are holding in your arms than whatever it is that's trending right now that tells you this is what makes you a good parent. And then the next thing would would be I I wish I would have treasured moments more than I tracked them. And then... The last thing is this reminder. I would love to have been told at the very beginning that the chief end of parenting is not getting kids into perfect colleges so that they can find the perfect job and marry the perfect spouse so that they could turn around and have perfect kids of their own. Mm. But that the chief end of parenting, just like the chief end of life, is perfection for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And that isn't gonna happen at fifth grade graduation or even at college graduation. The perfection for all eternity comes at the, at the end of the race, at the end of the journey. And so our job as parents is to prepare our kids for a journey, it is to get them started. So I would just say, put the parenting books away and instead study the child in your arms and really paying attention to what are their unique gifts and limitations what motivates them, what stresses them out, what lights them up, and then use that knowledge, what you learn about them, to help them know themselves, to help them know and relate to their Creator, to help prepare them for the good works that God has prepared in advance for them to do.
1: That is parenting expert Laura Spaulding on this week's edition of Inside Out. You're tuned in to The
4: Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. We're tracking a potent cold for that will be slicing through the region over the next few hours. Ahead of the front, of course, the record, near record warmth. Showers, rumbles of thunder, wind behind the front, more wind, plunging temperatures, ice and snow all in the mix. Here are the details for this afternoon, cloudy, windy, showers, couple thunderstorms, temperatures into the 60s, plunging through the 30s this evening with rain showers, changing to some ice and snow showers that could result in a flash freeze. Winds will be gusting past 40 and 45 miles an hour this afternoon and tonight. And the temperatures will they tumble to toward 20 overnight. So tomorrow watch for a locally heavy lake effect snow band stretching east of Rochester towards Syracuse into the northeastern finger lakes. Otherwise, blustery, much colder tomorrow with sun, clouds, and a few flurries. High temperatures, mid-20s to the mid-30s.
1: All right, Kevin, lots to consider weather-wise the next few hours. And finally, at noon from us, Snake in the Car. A stowaway turned a Louisiana woman's trip home from the store recently into a real adventure. As
3: I was leaving to get in my car,
5: I noticed something hanging at the bottom of my car. I thought maybe it was a book sack string that I forgot. But once I noticed it, it's a live snake and it terrified me. It was definitely alive and it looked very
1: aggravated Some good Samaritans came to that woman's rescue, got her safely away from what turned out to be a yellow-bellied water snake, which, while non-venomous, can still deliver a painful bite. Despite the name yellow-bellied, they're not shy at all about defending what they see as their territory, even if that turns out to be your automobile. And that's The World We Live In, Wednesday, February 28th i'm bob price family life news
0: you've been listening to the noon report heard weekdays on family life thank you for listening thank you for listening to this family life news podcast if you've been encouraged by what you've heard please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.